So you know, I was worried about worried about I completely got last week's podcast wrong. It was podcast one eighty, and I've been I've been looking forward to podcast one eighty to make a joke about we'll do a one eighty, and I was thinking go kart one eighty get you to do some spin outs and you fucked it. Spun your ribs out. So last week's podcast was on pests. This week's podcast is on disease. Probably only be a short one because I'm going to cover three main diseases, how to prevent them, how to get rid of them if you get them, and just some top tips about disease, especially in the summer. So first of all, as always, welcome to MPK Live with me, Steve. We, we get it. Why are your eyes watering? You look upset. <laughs> oh, well, come and see us on Friday at the Autobot Show. All right, if you listen on Sunday, sorry, you missed it. And a big shout out to Texas as well. Texas downloaded the most podcasts last week. Yeah, something around the 1,500 mark. So big shout out to people listening to Texas and watching. I'm seeing you. I might give an award out, a, a vocal award every oh, week to the most downloads. Your exes. Yeah, they live in Texas. They're all strapped up, aren't they? Yeah, I will be as well if you're my ex. So today's podcast, 181, disease, 181, yeah, disease. I know, that's because I fucked up and I said 179 last week and it's put Josh has put 180 up and yeah, yeah, it's 180, 181 disease. My fault. I'll take that one on the chin. Right, Barry, you're getting good at this now. Who are the reasons that we can do the podcast? Yeah. Oh, well done. Good. Well, you tell me. That's it. Yeah. And you got your cam filters top on today. Barry wears it. I like the design. It's a big C in the elemental form of carbon. Six atomic weight, 12.01. Diamonds, coal, oil, can filters, and people all contain carbon. Did you you know can you contain carbon, Barry? And organic chemistry is is carbon based. Carbons come from carbon. Yeah, diamonds are compressed carbon. Oh, I was the one thought that was coming. So big thank you to all the partners. Um, next week's podcast is PGRs again. Do you know why? Does it get all the results tomorrow? Oh, all the results. 41 different guaranteed certificates of analysis. 41 results. So that's next week's podcast. Uh, if you're listening live. Yeah, that's true. But imagine if, <laughs> imagine if Veg Bloom came back and they had PGRs and there we've done our standard. <laughs> Yeah, we will. I'll let that with it. Now, I want to do a big podcast on it. I want to do the results of the awards, of the awards or of the... Yeah. I'm, I'm going to name everybody. It's the whole point, isn't it? So we're going to name everybody and uh, thumbs up or hopefully not thumbs down if it contains any PGRs. And then... I hope so as well. I do. I want it to be a good, positive podcast. And then we're going to follow that on with no natural, arguments. natural plant growth. PGR, it is, it is, it is. I'm worried because I could lose some friends. It's taken a little bit of time as well. This, this, this scale of testing has been a big, big test. It's five different PGRs over 41 different we'll products. We'll know tomorrow. We get the email. There you go. So next week's podcast will be live. Yeah, 41 different certificates of guaranteed analysis for every single product in your range. So I think there's, the good companies is going to do, start doing oh, some marketing around it. I'm going to phone every company and tell them tomorrow, yeah. But I'm going to say to you, you're not allowed to publish your results till Wednesday next week, which is when we'll do the podcast. 
and we've got some nice little promo materials as well. Wouldn't you? Oh, they'll be harassing me. That phone will be ringing tomorrow. So yeah, and then I've been off for a week. I've been reading a book and it went in depth on natural plant growth regulators, gibberellins, auxins, indolacetic acid, really interesting stuff. So we're going to round off the next week's podcast with all that sort of stuff. But 181, it's disease. Coach is going to go to intro and we're going to get right into it. All good, ready to go. Turn my voice up a little bit. Oh god, that everyone watching, the whole family. Are you ready to go? I built a beer in the house, in the house that I built, in the booth that I built. I know people tune in every Sunday to listen, but even when business is good, we still manage to do the podcast. We're into it. Everyone watching live knows that we just take a 10 second break and Coach C does all his magic and just flops in the intro there, doesn't he? So, Barry, it is disease. Tell us about disease, Barry. <laughs> you you come into your microphone a little bit more. The big one, Botrytis. The one that everybody hates. Yeah. Did you know? Fun fact about botrytis. All right, then. Do you really know everything? All right, tell me about botrytis and grapes. You haven't got a fungus clue? <laughs> well, interesting fact. Some wines actually want botrytis on their grapes. Makes it sweeter. Yeah. yeah. yeah so grape growers, I'm going to say in France. Yeah. <laughs> Make... The um, they actually want it. They want it to happen in the air. They want botrytis because it's it's a mold. So they're the only people that want botrytis. And botrytis comes from the ancient Greek botrus, which means grapes. Fully enough, and the Latin suffix itis means disease. So you know something something itis means disease. So botry is grapes, and itis is disease. Now you might think that they called it that because people want it on grapes, but it's just sort of poetic. It's just a little bit poetic because botrytis under the microscope forms grape type, grape looking nodules. So that's why it got called um, botry from the ancient Greek. I don't know how the ancient Greek knew because they didn't have microscopes. It must actually, when you look really closely, it must form. Uh, either they grew it on grapes and that's where they first found it, or it forms, it does form grape nodules. So that's it. Now, if you've been doing it long enough, you've had botrytis. You've got Ud rot, you've got moulds, and you've had disease. Now, we're going to talk about powdery mildew as well, and pithium, root rot. But for powdery mildew and botrytis, it's mostly the same reasons. It, powdery mildew tends to happen early in veg because your humidity is high and your, your canopy is close together. But botrytis tends to happen in flower when your humidity is high. And you get it because humidity is high, and you've got a lack of air movement around the plants. So what happens is when your daytime temperatures, lights on at 26, 28, and your humidity is 50%, when your lights go off and if your temperatures drop, then the humidity goes through the roof, moisture settles onto your fruits, and gives you the perfect breeding ground for botrytis to form. Did you also know, Barry, that botrytis is pretty much always in the room? It's everywhere. Mm. Mm. Pythium is exactly the same, yeah. Give it the right conditions. Yeah, yeah. So it's when pythium, the difference with pythium is it literally physically is always on your root. And when you give a lack of oxygen with, um, uh, it's lack, yeah, lack of oxygen, which, which is caused by overwatering, or if your air stone goes off in DWC and high temperatures in your, in your DWC, then that causes pathogen to proliferate. But botrytis, it might not be in your room, but it's there. Do you know what I mean? 
it's in your intakes it can be there it just needs to be activated by your environment and your conditions so how do you prevent botrytis now for some people you know grape growers we've had a little bash of grape growing haven't we remember on our allotment and so when the first year the bunches were quite small didn't get any botrytis and they were very sweet some of them were, could be a little bit bitter though we didn't get any botrytis we were very happy with ourselves the next year we got a little bit better we we um, enhanced the soil a little bit better we gave it better conditions and the bunches of grapes that we grew were big and tight and dense they were gorgeous we were very happy with them and then three weeks before we we're going to pull them down we just caved in with botrytis and that tends to be the way it always happens when you've got a bit of a prize winning flower or fruit and it's dense like those grapes were that's where it can attack because it gets into the middle of the plant it doesn't attack from the outside so you can see it early it comes in from the middle of the plant doesn't it and it takes a few weeks before you start to see brown leaves so what you'll see is your your plant will be lovely and healthy and you'll just start to get brown leaves popping out and you pull them out and you can just see the botrytis there and it's disgusting and your heart melts and that grey funky mould comes out you hot body and knackered oh, a little bit your eyes are glazing over yeah I don't know if that's the uh, the A fever or you're just not that interested in botrytis <laughs> <laughs> so how do you prevent it Barry yeah at all times day and night mm. yeah well the way we got rid of it is on the polytunnel where we opened up both ends of the polytunnel to allow good air movement to come in and what some people do is they put green net around the bottom so it allows good movement indoors much easier go and buy yourself some oscillating fans some wall fans some stand up fans and just get them moving you don't want them bashing the plant but you want them aimed up at the sky yeah and aimed up at the ceiling and on the floor and just keeping the whole room yeah the fuses as well are really good they'll help keep the room the same humidity same temperature keep your air circulating reduce humidity to below 50% and make sure you don't have big swings in your temperature now Having a clean room can really help as well. Like I said, it's it's yeah. there in the air. If you've got a dirty room, increased risk of getting botrytis. If you've got a clean room, it's going to be much better. And in clean rooms, you just tend to be a neater grower, a cleaner grower. You're going to spot things a lot quicker. Um, try to defoliate bushy plants. Uh, it allows good air movement. So if you've got loads of leaf around your fruits, then it's worth getting rid of them, especially during those last three weeks because you keep some fan leaves and they're doing good. They're photosynthesizing, they're creating energy. But on the other hand, it can also be creating great great environments for molds to build up, microclimates. So you've got to be, you've got to sort of get a good balance to good leaf exposure for the light, but not too much where you're creating loads of microenvironments that's brilliant for botrytis. How do you get rid of it, Barry? Botrytis. That's one way I didn't actually uh, write down. Most pe- a lot of people do cut it, cut it out. Um, no. And once you've got it, it's near impossible to get rid of. You've just got to control it, haven't you? So if you find it, you do have to cut it out. Um, cut out as much as you can. Bin it. Get it out the room or get it out the polytunnel and discard it. Burn it. Do whatever you do away from it because the spores of botrytis travel really easily so if you if you're not careful and you just bend foliage back and start cutting and touch other plants they'll just transfer to all your other plants so you gotta be dead careful yeah oh yeah you can see it the dust go everywhere there's another method some people if if it's it's up to you to decide when you use it some people might want to use it straight away I would use it straight away, is the UV light, ultraviolet light. Ultraviolet light, if you don't know what it is, is very, very high energy photons of light. So high energy that they destroy the DNA in cells. So if you put it on your skin, so I've gone a bit red, a little bit tanned because the amount of UV in the sun burns the skin. You get a bit of a tan or you go red like me. But this UV lamp, which is, I think it's, it's UVC, 
which is the high high power UV. You actually have to wear gloves when you handle it. And the, the lamp I'm talking about is clean light. So you've got to wear gloves when you handle it. You've got to wear glasses because if you shine it on your skin, it will just kill the skin cells. It kills any living organism cells, destroys DNA. So when you sp- when you scan it onto botrytis or powdery mildew, we will talk about, about a little bit about later on, then it just destroys the DNA of it and kills it. And if you hold it there long enough, you can actually see it turning black. So it goes from grey to black as it kills it. I would say to everybody to invest in clean lamp because not only can you get rid of botrytis or stop it in its tracks, if you, in the veg period, scanned your plants once a week, even in high humidity, then it will kill any bugs. So that goes back to last week. So I'm sure you mentioned UV on last week's podcast. So it'll kill bugs and it'll also kill pests or any disease that are trying to take hold of your plants as well. It won't damage your plants. If you held it there for long enough, it would. But because plants uh, built up mechanisms to deal with UV because of the sun, they're a bit, it's like they've, they've got their protection, but botrytis is just exposed to it straight away and so are pests. So, Kills powder. It's lovely seeing it destroy powdery mildew because powdery mildew is white, really easy to spot. When you scan it with this UV clean light, if you scan it for maybe 15, 20 seconds, you can see that going black as well. And sometimes you can actually see it burning off. So it's it's quite nice to watch as well. So invest in a clean light UVC lamp. Be Take care when you're using it as well because it, it's dangerous. Obviously, don't look at it. like it, You can go blind from it. So weekly scanning of your plants can help keep your pest and disease away. Um, I've just talked more about, be careful, wear gloves, wear glasses, can't talk enough. If you're going to buy the UVC light, just be careful with it. And don't be stupid. It's it's a strong light. It'll do you damage. Now, other people say that there's foliar treatments to get rid of botrytis, but there are some out there that work and they work well. If you're foliar feeding with things like the overgrown, then that's got products in it that will help anyway. Keep and keep uh, disease away even before you've got them but by the nature of spraying your plants you're increasing the humidity and if you're not careful and your environment's not set up to remove that humidity you're going to just exacerbate the problem make it worse so it's just uv for me and that's what i've put on botrytis if you want to see what if you've never had botrytis if you're either a very very lucky experienced grower or you're a new grower go and google images of botrytis and learn to become, learn to recognise it because the earlier you recognise it and you don't actually get to see the mould, you get to see, if you see it on grapes, it's instantly recognisable, but in some um, plants, you'll see the leaves go brown and then as you go, oh, that leaf looks a bit weird, the brown leaf will catch your eye, you'll go, I'll pull that out. As you pull it out, half the plant will just come away with it as it just disintegrates something to your eyes and then, you know, you've got botrytis. So you've got to go and get yourself the UV lamp, keep it clean, and manage your environment as well. Get that humidity lower, get the air circulation better, and then you can start handling your botrytis. Powdery mildew, next one. Now, this is the opposite. Botrytis happens mostly when you're in flower. Powdery mildew happens mostly when you're in veg. And happens mostly when you're in veg because plants in veg like to have high humidity and they don't like too much air movement. So if you're growing a really big plant, and bushy plant and the leaves start to touch each other then even if you've got a good environment moisture starts to develop in between the leaves and that is the perfect breeding ground for powdery mildew what's the first thing you notice about how how do you know you've got powdery mildew yeah 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 what do you think it looks like like um flower like flower on your leaf Quite a nice picture Josh has put up in the background. That. Josh is going to zoom in on something. He's, he's pulled up a picture. I think that just, that, the fancy word for that is necrosis. Cell, just cell death. Death of a cell. But it, is that, have you typed in, what, what's, what have you typed in there? Because that, oh, botrytis of a leaf. I've never no, seen that see. before. I've only ever seen it on grapes and on actual fruits. <laughs> He's typing <laughs> botrytis. If anyone watching live, you can see that. That's botrytis of a leaf. That's interesting. Never seen that before. 
So Google Axarad, I hadn't seen that. And there's little specks of white and brown all over it, which looks as though it's had water on it. That looks like water and heat damage. But for anyone listening to the podcast, then you've got the benefits of you can listen and Google at the same time. So while you're listening, Google botrytis and become uh, aware of what it looks like on the leaf and on the plant and learn how to spot it quickly. And while you're doing that, look at powdery mildew and learn what that looks like and how it spreads around the plant. For powdery mildew, if you have, so it looks like someone's threw a bit of flower on your leaf. Looks like white. It's very recognisable. It's actually surprising that it still exists because it's white against a green background. So it's very easy to very easy to spot. So you wouldn't think it'd be still here. Do you know what I mean? People have come up with genius ways of getting rid of it. But if it covers less than 50% of the leaf, then you want to try and get rid of it with keeping the leaf intact. If it covers more than 50% of the leaf, then the energy that the leaf is producing through its 50% is not enough to keep the leaf alive and fighting the powdery mildew. So yeah, get rid of it. So if it covers more than 50% of your leaf, get rid of it. If it's less than 50% of the leaf, think up and come up with ways of how to get rid of it. First of all, attack the environment, same as botrytis, same as most diseases of the leaf and of the plant. Loves high humidity, loves low air circulation. So resolve those, increase air circulation and reduce your humidity a little bit. But obviously plants still love high humidity and veg, so you've got to play the balancing game. Yeah, stop it at its tracts. Yeah. And if you've got any leaves touching, defoliate. Back off the essential oil, yeah. That's an organic way of getting rid of back off works really, really well for powdery mildew. Obviously, it's a summer in the UK. In the northern hemisphere, it's a summer. Um, people listening in the southern hemisphere, it's starting to become your winter. But in when it's your summer conditions, you do tend to get a bit more because humidity goes up and temperature goes up and you just get those conditions which are perfect for powdery mildew. So a lot of customers have been coming in for products to get rid of the powdery mildew every time. I try and give them good organic stuff as often as possible. And I'm just, I am really happy with back off because it's, it's a blend of essential oils. You use a two to four mil per litre fully feed with the lights off and people have been coming in just going, yeah, that's sorted it. And one bottle, 20 pound, lasts you for ages. So good product for organics. Um, so what is powdery mildew? It's a rapidly reproducing fungus, easy to spot because it turns white and it's not the end of the world if you get powdery mildew. It's most people will try and resolve the issue. But if you've got young plants with powdery mildew, then it's better to get rid of them and start again because a lot of the spores you can't see. So if you've got a young plant and it's already got powdery mildew, then you don't want to be treating a young plant. Just if you can, start again with fresh ones and crack on. If you've got established plants, then if you want to foley feed, back off or other essential oil type products. It, go back to UV light because UV light is just the best. It kills it outright. You can see it in front of your eyes and it doesn't harm the plant at all. And those UV lights last for ages when you're only using them for 10 minutes every once a week. There's another method though. And I've got a little recipe here. And this is what you can this is what you can put together. So this I have not tried this recipe, but I've seen it on several websites. And people have if you if you can't, if it's a Saturday afternoon, you can't get to the grocery shop and making a cake. It is a little bit of cake. First two ingredients of cake. So milk, reason of milk is because powdery milk likes acidic conditions. Milk's alkaline, so it removes the acidic condition and it can't thrive. So you do a one to nine ratio of milk to water. So 900 mil of water, 100 mil of milk, and that's your ratio done. To that, you add two tablespoons per gallon of water of baking soda. Yeah. So two so two tablespoons per eight litres. Four litres, yeah. It's about we say four because it's four point two in America, three point eight in the UK. So I just rounded up to four, yeah. Per four litres. Yeah. Half a teaspoon per litre of water. 
No, half a tablespoon. Because if two tablespoons is four liters of water. No, it says two tablespoons per gallon of water. We're on bacon soda, Barry. He's jumping yeah. onto the neem oil. Two tablespoons Yeah. Yeah. Five. <laughs> it's not. Lad, lad, five. lad, two tablespoons. Two tablespoons. Yeah, per four liters. Yeah. So we want to make one liter. So we do Shit. one tablespoon to two liters. Yeah, you, you're these fucking big balls, aren't you? He makes a batch to last forever. No, some, we're making a liter here, Barry. We'll let other people scale up. So baking soda, half a tablespoon per liter of water. Again, baking soda is alkaline, so it's going to get rid of that acidic condition. Neem oil. Four teaspoons per gallon of water. So we want one teaspoon of neem oil into our litre. And hydrogen peroxide, one teaspoon per gallon. So we basically do a quarter of a teaspoon. And then SM90 on a one to five ratio of SM90 to water. SM90 is a water surfactant, so it allows it to spray. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, yeah. So it just spreads overly. So milk. Bacon soda, neem oil, hydrogen peroxide, SM90. Yeah, you know, all the ingredients that your that your mum's got in a in a bacon kitchen. Now, some people just like to make their own shit, don't they? So there's a little recipe for you people. <laughs> Thinking back now, not many people have got that in the kitchen. Just wait till Monday, go and buy yourself a UV light. Yeah, and some back off. Um now people who live in environments with extremely high humidity. Shout out to Florida. I know we've got a lot of listeners in Florida and the UK, our second biggest listenership. Uh, you'll probably need to get a dehumidifier in the summer to control the humidity, especially important during the flowering part when the humidity really needs to be 40, 45% throughout flowering. And when the lights go off, the dehumidifier will come on and remove all that excess moisture. Um, you, you do want to get on top of your bushy plants though, Barry. Get on top of that bush. It's just out there. You need to remove some of that bushiness. Do you use scissors or shears? A bit closer. Oh, that sounds. All right, stop it now. That's what Barry uses anyway for this bush. I use snips myself. Much cleaner. If you got scissors that sound like that, take them back to shop. They've rusted yeah. up to fuck. <laughs> Stay on the top of your big bushy plants um, because if the leaves are touching each other, it just creates microclimates. And if your leaves are touching, they're not photosynthesizing, they're not even being efficient. It's taking energy to maintain them. So do a good bit of bush trimmage. Keep that bush in. Trimmed up. We're gonna we'll use this as the one minute Instagram thing. Make very sexual references. Yeah, trim your bush. Don't get powdery mildew. <laughs> um another thing to do, this is applies for all plants, all diseases. Um calcium, very important. It's like you tell me, buddy, what's the stuff you put in between bricks to keep them together? <laughs> Unfortunately, we lost our sponsorship from this orange can. So the <laughs> oh, that was well needed, well timed, um, orange, well timed orange can break. It's been lovely in the UK. Hot weather. You, if you're suffering. Is it's draining, doing nothing all day in the sun. So, <laughs> if only eyebrows could speak, I can they do a podcast all by themselves. <laughs> um, if, if you are struggling with heat, go back to podcast. <laughs> you just tripled that. Oh, you're a sausage today, aren't you? Uh, you just need to go, tell you what, follow us on Instagram at npk underscore hydroponics. And you'll be able to see the Instagram story of Barry Bilden with his wizard. He got his wizard out. As in the willer. I was a chop saw. Skills. Skill saw. 
Do you need no, skill really. to use it? Is that why Brian so did? Brian <sighs> that piece of wood looks like the River Nile now. It's gone off in all directions. Do you ever see the Oxbow Lake geography? It goes all around, creates an Oxbow. That's what Brian looks like. Oh, everyone knew, everyone did Oxbow Lake in geography, where a lake goes across and then creates an Oxbow. You were asleep during that part of geography Big class, right? Yeah. Else do that? Oxbow Lake? Anybody? No? Uh, <sighs> yeah, obviously. I've never Lucy, ever carried the violin or a flute. Three Lucy's lit. It was. It was. It was the French horn, actually, mate. <laughs> um, well, no. If if you're interested, look up Google. I've I've grew up in all areas. I'm a I'm a I'm a full Liverpool. I've lived in many areas. I've experienced many cultures. I'm a multicultural type of guy. So anyway, Google image Oxbow Lake if you don't know what it is. I I was very good at geography. Do you know what the capital of Australia is? Have a guess. Have a guess. Guess. What's the capital of Australia? <laughs> Well, most people think it's Sydney. It's actually Canberra. Just general well, knowledge. Right. I've got something to tell you, Barry. You know you what you will be, though? You know what you will be, though? You know what you will be? French and German. Yeah. Before we get prophecies, fucking hell, I was joking and Barry's getting onto the school fucking education system here. We're talking about disease. So what the school education system is diseased. It is a bit shit. But I'm taking you off my millionaire phone a friend. You should learn Australian. You should learn Australian, mate. You should learn how to do a Barbie. What's your last name? That's your just... That's just your standard joke, isn't it, for Australia? You should learn how to... Well, before we get back on to... You should do. There's actually uh, an Instagram meme I seen the other day, and it was a... Miss, miss, will you learn me? How, will, you, will you teach me how to do me taxes so that I don't get done by the IRS or the the VAT people in, for in the UK? She goes, no, 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 you don't need to know, know that. But actually, the uh, the square hypotenuse of a triangle is that's what we need to learn. When was the last time you did the square hypotenuse of a triangle? What like what what comes out after eleven? She's nearly she's twelve next. <laughs> no, I think you should do finance and taxes, how to run a business, entrepreneurial stuff. No, we should teach them. And German. <laughs> no, because if they were smoking pot, then the art would go up, wouldn't it? Would be very good at art, very creative. 
I think I think it is. The school of Barry. I reckon we start the school of Barry. So when you know when people used to put up the University of Life or I'm from the School of Life, you start an online course called the School of Barry. Common you can't teach common sense. I don't know. Seven years actually. Yeah, it's coming up soon. You taking me out? Okay. <laughs> Back to disease, Barry. You don't have to go off on topic. You know what we're gonna save this for when we do our Hydro Men of the Round Table. So Josh is on the ball. The French Labour Force Service, whilst loading, estimates that on the 1st of January 2016, there were 148,800 British citizens living in France, while the latest French Insee Census estimated 150,000 citizens living in France in 2014. Now, let's compare that to Australia, Josh. To be fair, though, it is only like a swim. It is only a bit of a swim across the channel from... Over to Cali. Yeah. <laughs> so then we all have to speak French. Ooh. Ooh. It hasn't made you look like a CUNT. 1,300,000 people, British people living in Australia. What language did you speak there, mate? There's a lot of French. What language <laughs> did you speak in Australia? Queen's English. Therefore, uh, British people living in education only to stay fucking lessons all day. You don't need to tell them. Yeah, and how to get into Australia because that's what you need. Right. Calm yourself down. I don't hurt my feelings. Spain, 761,000. I do think if you've got to learn a, if you've got to learn a language, I do think learning language is good. But if you're going to learn a language, learn Spanish because it's, it's, I think Spanish after British, Spanish is the most spoken language in the world. You can do South America, you can do Spain, you can get along with Portugal. So there's a, there's a something towards foreign languages. What? Who? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Conspiracy theory. Anyway, let's get back to disease. That's Barry's rant. But actually, it leads after that rant. It's, it's diseased. But on that topic, see, that's a good topic. I think loads of people are genuinely interested in, in that. We're going to do our hydro heads of the of this rectangular table. And we're going to, once every three months, we're going to do an evening. We're going to get some beers in. We're all going to sit around the table and chat shit. And it's going to be a whole new podcast. It's going to be Hydro Heads Chat Shit. Might start it soon, actually. We're going to get... Yeah. Actually, I've got... Can we to tell you the name of it? Um, I'm not. I'm not. I didn't actually come up with this. I didn't actually come up with... All right. Fucking Barry Ardnock. Oh, what's the name of it now? I'll t- I can't even remember what it's called now. I need to remember it. I do. Let me let me look it up dead quick. Because this is genuinely, we're starting a new podcast. George and Christina, they're new employees of the MPA media team. Well, the, the summer interns, they fuck off back to uni in September. The summer interns, aren't they? And I, oh, I can't even find it now. Gutted. Sorry, if, if you're listening, just have a, a few moments to yourself and I'm trying to find this. Talking a load of ponics. That was it. Talking ponics. That is a good name. Talking ponics. It's because it's like talking bollocks, but it's like hydroponics. Talking ponics. That's what we might call it. Anyway, back to disease. Wake up everyone that's been listening to us chat shit. Disease, calcium and magnesium. Calcium, tell me about this. What's the stuff in bricks that keeps it all together? Cement. Calcium is the cement of cells in plants. When you've got no cement, your cells, your bricks likely to fall over. So if you're lacking calcium, your plants are not as strong. So 
use if you're in soil or cocoa, use a cocoa with soil that's been buffered with a good amount of calcium, or use a CalMag, and that'll help prevent pests and it'll help prevent disease. And then also using a product like silica, solar green power by Buddhist trees, our current favourite. It strengthens cells walls and makes it harder for powdery mildew to get in. Did you know that powdery mildew's got like to take hold? It actually pierces the plant and sucks out all the juices. It's like the vampire of the diseased world. It's disgusting. Um, what sucks out all your juices? It's just it's disgusting. <laughs> so, powdery mildew botrytis. It's to do with your environment. It's easily controlled. Air circulation, reduce your humidity if you can. UV light will get rid of it all. If not, things like back off and essential oils will, will help as well. Google image, search for botrytis, search for powdery mildew in all different varieties of plants so that you know what you're looking for and you can spot it early. Yeah. The last one. The last one we've talked about powdery mildew. The last one is pythium. Pythium. It's a nightmare. Most people get it when they're in DWC, deep water culture. Pythium, like we said before, is always there. The pythium is a parasitic umocote, umocoites, or umocytes. That's what it's called for the science out there, the science people out there. Formerly classified as a fungi. Um, they are a plant parasite, but pythium, um, pythiosis is transmitted by the fungus gnat. So they were a disease that we didn't cover too much on last week because they're not a big problem in terms of pests. But fungus gnats carry the pythium on their feet. And if you get fungus gnats, you tend to get pythium as well. In DWC, it's because your lack of oxygen and high water temperatures have created the perfect breeding ground for uh, to pythium. Root rot is what it's most commonly called. So it's very easy to prevent. Oxygenate your water and keep it at about 18 degrees. Mm. You've got your back on. Yeah, because you're looking, really, even before you get powdery mildew, if, if, you, if your air pump took the knock, you're looking at 24 hours before your plants starting yeah. to die. But if it's not, if if your airline gets blocked and it's just releasing a little bit of oxygen to keep the plant alive, then you're going to get pythium. And then obviously if your water chiller's not working properly, your water temperature's going to go up, you're going to get pythium. Now most people say, and everywhere you read, you'll, you'll see pythium because it's like a brown sludge on your roots. If you grab your roots in DWC and you run your hands through them, brown sludge will come off or you'll notice it might not have even turned brown but you know if your roots healthy white roots don't clump together you can literally see each individual root can't you with pythium before it turns brown before it starts to smell horrible the roots tend to clump together yeah they all just stick together don't they um some people just don't even notice that in dwc it's easy to it's easier to get pythium, but it's also really easy to notice, and you can notice a lot earlier, so you can do something about it. Now, a lot of people in DWC and even in cocoa media will go to hydrogen peroxide to get rid of it. The problem being is that pythium is because it's it's like the phone network EE. It's everything and it's everywhere. So if you use hydrogen peroxide, then you're going to kill ninety nine percent of it. What's the problem with killing ninety nine percent of something? Yeah, we were talking about this with debt all the other day, weren't we? So if you don't do the conditions to get rid of pythium and you throw some hydrogen peroxide through it, then the conditions are still there to allow that 1% to take over. And what you've done is you've just killed every beneficial bacteria that is fighting the pythium. So you've just wiped out the whole playing field of your good army and you've left it completely open for the bad army to take over. So I hate hydrogen peroxide. If you're going to use it, you've got to use it every day. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, here's people say, well, people think that we are maybe biased because of our partners or we're biased because I've got a dislike into a certain range of products. And my history with Botanica is well known, if you're a good listener of the podcast. However, if you're a DWC grower or you're any sort of grower, but especially in hydroponic systems, HydroGuard by Botanica is absolutely phenomenal. Bacillus thuringiensis is this particular strain in HydroGuard. And just you go onto every forum, you cannot find a bad word said about that product. It's absolutely phenomenal. If you get Bifium, if you get Pythium, it gets rid of it. If you use it before you get Pythium, then you just don't ever get Pythium because that particular strain, Bacillus thuringiensis, absolutely outcompetes the Pythium bacteria or the Pythium umicote. And it just never, ever is able to take hold. So that's a big shout out to the product of HydroGuard. When we had it, when MPK had it in the shop about four years ago, the Botanica range, because HydroGuard is a bacterial product, it has to be specially licensed. And we never actually had it in the UK last time around. And this time, HydroGuard have got it and they've managed to get the license for it. So if you, if you're a DWC grower or a, or a, hydroponic grower you should have it in your medicine cabinet it's it is the number one product to prevent yourself from getting pythium um i think we've pretty much covered most of pythium i've thought that the scary truth about root rot is that it's preventable like even without a product like hydrogard oxygenate keep your temperatures low you're not gonna get it um also activator by top heavy crop is a very good product that also competes by top heavy crop it's been a hot day, Barry. Come on. Uh, Don't just sit there just pulling out all by, by hydrotops. Yeah. Thank you, Barry. Thank you for waking up and correcting me. Bactivator by hydrotops is a very good product for Pythium. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that's what we stop, we've got in our shop. Um, I've written loads, actually, but... The MPK show starts soon, hopefully this summer. It's just been a long, long time coming. It's a lot of work. I've actually done pest and disease in the YouTube video. I'm going to go into a lot of depth with, with YouTube clips. You're going to see images. You're going to see pictures of all the pests and all the diseases. But I just thought for the podcast, it's a good time of year to start mentioning pest and disease again. Start looking at temperatures and start reminding people that you've got to be on the ball, motherfuckers. When your heat goes up and your humidity goes up, it's time to take action. Um, what else? How do we? Oh, Wilkard by CX Hydroponics, very good preventative and, and treatment for Pythium. Back off, we've mentioned that you can just put that straight into your tank to kill Pythium, and that's an organic way of, of getting rid of it. Um, and then I've said the nuclear option, the Chernobyl to get rid of Pythium, is just to scrap it all and start again. If it's that bad, just get rid of it. Start again. Give it a good clean with bleach. This time you can use hydrogen peroxide, super strong dose, and give it a good clean. The super careful will even buy a brand new fresh system. Because you can never ever clean your system 100%, can you? So that's a nuclear option. Just get rid of it all. Um, and I've said, as usual, when it comes to pest and disease, prevention is always the best medicine. And Pythium is no exception. So there are three main diseases. There are other diseases that I didn't want to go into because it's rare. If you you always take the piss out of me when I mention this, but tobacco mosaic virus is an actual virus, Barry. And you get it if you know if you get rolling tobacco. You know if you get rolling tobacco. Don't don't whisper to Josh, roll it up and twiddle your fingers as if to do a rolling up action. Tobacco mosaic virus, Barry. It's important that people know because it's a virus. It's a bit of a rare one, but if I need to say this every podcast, if you do roll on tobacco and you touch your plants, you increase your risk of tobacco mosaic virus. It's my favorite virus. Yeah. Because I don't know why, it just is. Because I used to grow tobacco and it was just interesting. Any more to add, Barry? You've been exceptionally chatty this podcast. Any more to add? Ah, Bartholomew. Did you know Barry's full name was Bartholomew? I'll Bart here. 
Okay, now we will actually wrap up there because we'll be here till tomorrow if Barry starts another rant. Next week's podcast, I actually know what it is. PGRs and natural PGRs and the re- announcement of all of our results. Next week, we will have, let's see if anyone's... Yeah, we haven't had too many people watching live this week because it's really warm outside and it is... Of course, Pastor, let's go and have another 15 minutes out in the sun, eh? Right. Thank you very much for listening on the Sunday, if you listen on the Sunday. Most people listen on Monday. Shout out to Texas. You've downloaded the most last week. I'm going to do a shout out every week for the country that down or the state that downloads the most. Live in Texas. We'll finish on that note. Barry. See you all later. Everyone watching live. See you next week. And have a good day, week, month. Ta-da.